Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, you know, t- tonight is a, uh, it's, it's just going to be powerful. Uh, and, and I believe that some things will be said that will touch a lot of people. I have a group, Brian, a young group listening in for tonight's show. And I told them to pay close attention. I had I told them, make sure you get your pen and pad out and make sure that you take notes. Yes. Yeah. We we we're gonna have fun. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the youth. We're gonna also talk about adults. We're gonna talk about some things right now that's going on in the world, like mm-hmm. uh our new incoming president. And, and Brian, I had the liberty of seeing your wife and daughter today at a Martin Luther King program. Uh huh. And the speaker pretty much used our slogan. She pretty much used it. And you know, and there's there's so much more that we can do. And our guest is, I mean, is a wonderful example of doing more and not being afraid of just stepping out there and just doing it. You know, Greg, I just uh, recently came back from a meeting where I was asked to present on uh, the issue of how we communicate and talk to our youth. And one of the things I did, I told um, the group that I was talking with, is a group of men, probably close to about 50 of us. And one of the things I talked to them about was how important it is that you just be involved you know, even I, I was telling you, you don't have to go and like be there every single minute, but do something for someone, you know, for a young man or a young woman that's not your child or not your responsibility. I said because that speaks so that that speaks volumes to how much you care for them. Mm-hmm. You know, because I remember growing up, they were you know I had my mother, my father, my uncles, my aunts, but. The most, most, some of the most important influences in my life were like a certain teacher, or uh, like actually it was one of my uncle's best friends, and he is my mentor to this day. And we don't talk as much as we used to when I was younger, but I still remember a lot of the things that he told me when I was young, and I live by a lot of those principles today. So, you know, just and it takes just one person. It doesn't take. You know, you don't have to take on a whole group or, you know, 50 kids. You can take on one. And it's so important about, you know, our, our guest tonight and, you know, his book and how it's entitled because that is so key. It's such a central factor in getting our youth involved and being involved with our youth. Yes. yes. Bring him in, Brian. I'm ready. Man, let's, oh, let's yeah. Bring him in. You know, he is no stranger to the Abundant Solutions Hour We'd like to welcome tonight Mr. Tony Gaskins, Jr., who is an author and a screenwriter who writes nonfiction self-help guides. He intends to adapt each book he writes into a film on the lifestyle that the book was inspired by. Mm. You know, this brother, when we first met him, we actually met him on another show, and he was just so real and open and transparent that it's something that stuck with me. I was actually telling the guy tonight about his first book. You know, I said, he's got a new book out, but you got to read the first book, mm-hmm. you know. But I want to bring him on again by saying, welcome again to the Abundant Solutions Hour, Mr. Tony Gaffney. Thank you, thank you. <clears throat> Mr. Gaffney, this is Greg. You know, man, I'm I'm so impressed in what you're doing. You, you're so busy, your husband, your father. Uh, and, and you, uh, a true man of God, and, and uh, I, I, I want to ask you this question about our youth. Since you're working with a lot of youth, and you're shooting your movies, and you're writing your books, do you think that a lot of us older folk have given up on our youth? Uh, I wouldn't call it giving up. I think basically, in a sense, they're almost growing out of touch. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to. Uh, speak to the youth if you're not speaking their language. It's almost like Chinese and English. You know, you really can't communicate. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's why I wrote this book. It's kind of like 
the mediator. It, it speaks to the parent from the youth and to the youth from the parent. So, I mean, the older people, they're doing everything they can, but the youth really just can't understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And what, what, what's the name of your new book? I know you got two out there. What was the name of your – give me the name of your first book and the name of your second book and how people can purchase those. The first one is called What Daddy Never Told His Little Girl. And that's just uh, that one is for women and uh, young women that's dating, sing, uh, single, married, engaged. And then the newest one is reclaiming our youth one day at a time. And uh, both they're available on reclaimingtheyouth.com. Reclaimingtheyouth.com. Mm, mm-hmm. Brian, I tell you what, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't wait. I was uh, actually in the process of developing and working with my church on a youth program, you know, and it's a program geared around um, our young males in the church. And it was interesting that when coming up with ideas, I started writing down all these things that I want to implement, you know, how to tie tie, how to, you know, dress to impress, that type of stuff, you know, just practical things. And then I asked my son, who's 11 years old and who I think, you know, undeniably is probably one of the most intelligent uh, 11-year-olds that I've ever met because he thinks so much outside of the box, you know, but enough about him. (laughs) You'll hear about him later. You know, I asked him the question. I said, what do you want me to ask you about? What do you want to, what do you think your generation needs to be taught? And, since I asked that question, he has been, I mean, literally just pestering me. Let's finish it. Let's write more stuff. We need this. We need that. We need this. I mean, he's given me a list of stuff I never even thought about, you know. One of them, you know, and I was actually riding home today, and I thought about, like, where did this kid get this stuff from, you know? How to ask questions. <laughs> you know, what kid asked that question? How do I ask a question? You know, and so just the fact that I gave him the opportunity, you know, I asked him to help me help him. And it's like now I might as well let him write the program, you know, because <laughs> it's going to benefit him in the long run anyway. But, see, that's one of, that's a, that's one of the ways that I believe we can reclaim our youth. You know, right. Mr. Gaskins, you tell me, what? Are some of the ways without giving out too much information on the book, but what's one of the ways that you believe we can reclaim our youth? I think um, what you did was perfect. It's basically you open up that that line of communication to where you ask him, "What do you need from me?" And he in turn took and taught you his language. You see what I'm saying? Because he a child and you an adult, so y'all looking at life completely different. And so a lot of times. Parents think children need this, need that. And as soon as you say, like, tie a tie, for me that sounded typical. I mean, a parent or father would want to teach his son that. But at that age, when I was growing up, that was the last thing on my mind. You know, I wanted to know how, how to overcome the streets, how how uh, how to beat that pressure, you know, uh, how to talk to a, a female and, and not give too much of myself, uh, you know, get involved in sex or catch an STD. But... A parent never asked that. They they teach, they teach, they teach, and for the most part, maybe teaching a lot of stuff that at that point in time you're not interested in. So when you open up that that wave of communication, that line of communication to where you can have a dialogue and you can listen to the youth and hear what they got to say, then you're better able to give them what they need. And I feel like with me, I'm still growing, I'm still learning. I consider myself a youth. My book is for the ages 12 through 25, and I'm inside of that target audience. And I'm still, to my father, I'm a boy. I call him every day. I confide in him. He speaks into my life, and it just it pushes me to a whole new level. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. But the thing is, is what I learned yesterday, someone younger than me would need that tomorrow. So that's why I put it in, in, in this book. And I think the main thing is just it's communication. Parents going to learn so much about the youth when they read this book. And that's what I recommend, that the parent read it first. And the youth going to learn so much about how to approach their parents or how to handle their issues in their own life. And so bottom line is communication. Yeah. You know, it's so important, and I'm so glad that you brought up the lines of communication. 
I think a lot of our little boys are getting the wrong impression, not just the little boys, but the little girls as well. When they're watching certain television shows and they're seeing uh, our, our black men in videos mistreating the women. Right. And, and, and when, when they look at the movies, they're not seeing uh, a black male being the good superstar, the one that's the focus of the show so much. Right. Uh, a lot of times they're either drug dealers or they're the crook or they're some type of uh, doing something else that they shouldn't be doing. But then you have the, the brothers out there like uh, uh, Will Smith and Denzel Washington and and um, uh, and Tyler Perry and these other, you know, it, it's only a handful. Right. It's only a handful of us out there. So, right. so when they see that, they're looking at money. Right. They're looking at the money and the women. Those are the only things that they see, and those are the things that they want. So, you know, right. as a, a parent that's watching that, what can they do to, to, to kind of curb or block that and, and teach their kid uh, what's right and, and, and for the kid to understand where the parent is coming from, I guess is my question. It's, it's so hard to do that as a parent, and, and me understanding that, that is why I wrote this book. I honestly believe that a parent needs a mediator. I mean, you could say so much yourself, but you have to find tools from people outside of yourself that have wrote books or written movies to bring into the home and introduce it to your child. My father used to get so mad with me when I was growing up because I would come to him and say, hey, Dad, um, Coach such-and-such said this or such-and-such daddy said this. And he's like, boy, I just told you that yesterday. And I'm like, oh, you sure did. But I didn't hear it from him. But when somebody else said it, it was it was just it concrete. Yeah, it made so much sense. And it just sometimes it, you need somebody else. And so I, I honestly believe that every parent needs a mediator. I mean, you speak, but you need to bring in tools like this book, Reclaiming Our Youth, and sit down and read it with your child. You read it first and have them read it. But don't just say, hey, take this book and read it. You tell them, hey, I want a chapter. Uh, I mean, a paragraph summary of every section in this book, you know, one each day before you do anything else, before you go out to practice or to play or to the mall, I want a chapter. And, and you make them do that to where you see what that they what they taking in. And that's the honest thing. Like what you said with these young men, the biggest thing right now, that's like, man, I'm, I'm just praying to God for the right time to come out against uh, this, this hip-hop genre, this, this hip-hop nation this i mean the whole world because i look at these guys and they just they portraying money drugs and sex and when you look at them as an individual they geniuses you know they 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 lyrical geniuses they businessmen they they know how to make money and instead of them teaching the youth that they making music and they pimping their own people to, and what they don't realize is that what they saying on them tracks the youth not knowing they going out and doing that, thinking this is what I got to do so that one day I can rap about it. And while they in the midst of doing that, they end up losing their life or going to jail for life. I got probably, it take up both of my hands to count how many guys that I grew up with, neck and neck, side by side, that's doing life right now. Some of them even younger than me, but none of them is, are older than me, and I'm 24 years old. That's doing from 15 years to 40 years in prison. And... Why they going to do what they do is because they listened to a rapper that told them this is what you got to do to make it. And it, it's just ignorance. And so I really believe parents not being on that ground level, you need a mediator. Just like Jesus is our mediator. We go to God through him, you know, and that's the perfect example right there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was thinking about when you said about uh, this war on hip-hop, that, you, that I guess that's what you're going to call it, a war. You know, because it's definitely going to be more than just a battle. You know, right. I I really believe that it's bigger than the thoughts that come out of these guys. Because a lot of these guys are literally, they're like you said, they're lyrical geniuses. And they're businessmen. Right. And they're actually being pimped and promoted themselves. Right. You know, they've yeah. been pimped by the larger record labels. And so you can't just say that it's that. You know, and I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but I'm I'm just thinking outside of the box here. You know, right. it's a larger thing because I believe that they, in order for them to make it, they have to rap about what people, quote-unquote, want to hear. 
and what the right. industry wants to promote and to push. If you remember back right. when we were having the East Coast versus the West Coast thing, it became huge in music because of two individuals right. who just decided to say East Side is the best side, you know, or West Side rules or whatever, you know, and so it became, right. you know, popular in the music to talk about, oh, I hate, the, I hate the West Side, I'm from the East Side, or I hate the East Side, I'm from the West Side, until, right. you know, it got to where these two individuals started, you know, people started literally losing their lives over it, right. over music. Exactly. And then the record label said, whoa, we got to push back. And, uh, let's, let's reassess this. What else can we talk about that won't get somebody killed? You know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and see, I'm saying all that to say that what they're doing is they're really pimping our children's minds. Right. Because when they talk about, yeah, I went to the club and I bought a bottle of Alizé or I bought a bottle of uh, whatever the drink is now, uh, I don't even know. I don't drink anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like the bottle, that, the yellow bottle or blue bottles or whatever it is. Patron, right. that's what it is. You know, those kids don't realize that those bottles of Patron cost $100. Right. They just know, oh, i got to get me a bottle of Patron. So they'll, they'll uh, scrape up, you know, when they do go to the club and they sneak in, they'll scrape up their $100, whatever they can get it from, just to say, i got a bottle just like one of the big-time pimps and rappers and whatever. Not right. realizing that, you know, they can afford to do that, and they're doing that, and most of the time they're getting paid to promote those things so that you right. consume them. Yeah. And what it's doing is this this whole lifestyle that they're out there pimping and promoting is beginning to consume our children. Yeah. You know, our it's children killing. are consumers of it, and it's beginning, beginning to consume them. So yeah. what are some of the things that you believe that, we can do to counteract that. We got we got to bring them the truth. My my thing is I want to take the rappers and and tell their true history. You know it it blow me. It's a rapper in my area by the name of Flies. It may be some of his fans mm-hmm. listening right now because I know definitely they got my email blast. But he right here in Tampa where I am, and he he blew up. He young. He probably my age. And I had a CD. You know, not too long ago, I was in the streets. I was messing around, hanging with the drug dealers, and in a sense, I felt like an undercover agent for the Lord. I mean, I was I was in a backslidden state, but really I just wanted to learn what it was all about. And I think God kept me safe through that because he knew I was going to come out and tell everything I learned and counteracted and minister his word. But while I was out there, man, we would be in the car, you riding to go do something crazy or whether you selling drugs or whatever, and that was our motivation, his music. I mean, everything he said, do. He used grown men, 18, 19, 20, up to 30 years old, mm-hmm. and everything he's saying, do, you listening to it. Oh, mm-hmm. man, I got to do that. So you, I gotta you got to be a goon. About, yeah, <laughs> got to be a goon. And so it's like, but then I, t- I messed around and met one of his childhood friends, you know, somebody that grew up with him. And come to find out, this guy college educated, went to college. His big brother who went to jail went to college, you know, is geniuses, you know what I mean, businessmen. And I'm like, man, but they, thugs don't go to college. Real thugs do not go to college because I know plenty of them. And so I'm like, these guys went to college. They learned. They smart. You know, they tested the waters out there in the world, following the crowd, but they beat it. And instead of telling the youth that, instead of telling the youth, hey, go to college, get an education, you know, become a, a marketer, a promoter versus a rapper. And the thing about it, I, I call them to take responsibility because they are responsible, regardless of what the record labels want them to put out. After they first um, label, they they start, they build their own label. You know, all of them have their own label to where they bring on their own artists. So now they in control of their own destiny, like P. Diddy. You know, he ain't got a white man telling him what to do. You got P. Diddy and Jay-Z and Jermaine Dupree. Them guys, they could put out what they want to put out. And if they still put out this garbage, I command them to take responsibility. And so I look at this guy, and I'm like, man, him is out here toting the gun, getting ready to blow somebody's head off with my homeboy, cause, and we listening to this song. And it sounds stupid, but that is where the phrase, ignorance is bliss, was coined. Because that's what we do. That's really, that's real life. I mean, you ignorant, but yet you happy in it. You 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 peaceful with that. I mean, you content with that. And so I'm looking, I was just blown. So what I want to do is expose the truth. Tell the youth the truth. Let them know that, hey, what you're looking at 
It's a mirage. What you're looking at, this fake. This person ain't even what they say they are. This person don't live what they say they live. They don't do what they say they do. But you listen and you go and do it, you're going to end up, you're going to experience the real consequences, which is the grave or the prison. That's right. That's right. You know, Tony, it's, and, and people, um, a lot of the police officers, a lot of the politicians, a lot of the, the teachers in the media, they really believe that a lot of the kids that are in detention centers and jails and prisons, they really believe that these kids are dumb and stupid and ignorant. Right. That is so far from the truth. Right. A lot of these kids are so smart. They're right. marketing geniuses if you talk with them. Right. Because they have to know how, if they're out there selling drugs, I'm going to say that, if they're out there selling drugs, they have to market what they're doing. Right. And they're doing that. Yeah. It's it's people like you, Brian, and myself. We need to try to go out there and channel that gift that they have that they're using in the wrong way, and channel that so they can use it in the right way. Exactly. That's how I open up my book. The very first section is called "Focus on Your God-Given Gifts," and in that section, there's three parts. And the first one is realize your natural gifts and use them for God. And the second part is market your talent. And the third part is remain humble in all you do. So I put it like that. So we have to be able to get these youth and sit them down. Some of them, they feel so confused and like, what am I to do? They may just be able to draw. They may be able to sing. They may be able to do something simple like soul. I'm not, not simple, but something that they don't feel like no money is being made. My gift, I relate to writing. I was a writer all my life. And now here I am able to be a biographer for NFL players and professional athletes and be an author myself and put out my own book and things like that. But all my life I stayed away from that because I saw the money being made in the music and the drugs. And so what we need to do as parents and uh, in dealing with the youth on a daily basis is, like you say, help them realize their gift because a lot of them can't realize it on their own. So that's where we come in. Say, you know what, you can really draw guess what, you can start drawing and scan it onto the computer. You, uh, all the schools can make T-shirts with your drawings. You can design MySpace pages or use your drawings for websites. People will pay you hundreds of dollars to design a logo for their company. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of we don't, we don't even think about that and help them realize them gifts and, and show them that you could use this and become rich or uh, be sustained in life and you don't have to rap. You don't have to make beats. You don't have to sell drugs. You don't have to do what the next man is doing when you was called to do this over here. Yes. You know, what? I, I, I want to bring this up, too. Um, I was sitting and I was listening to uh, a young lady speak um, today at the Martin Luther King program. And, right. and the thing that hit me as I was sitting there was seize the moment. Right. Seize the moment. We have so much technology around us. We're able to move around and do things today. Now, we might not be able to do that tomorrow. Right. We may not be able to do that tomorrow. The, the gifts and talents that we have today, we may not have the ability to use those tomorrow. Yeah. So the, the kids out there, I think they don't understand, and a lot of us, a lot of people don't understand how important your time is and what you're doing with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what you're saying is absolutely the truth. I think we need somebody that can come out and show them another avenue, something simple, the gifts and the talents that they have so that they can put that to use. And they can exactly. start their own business. They can be a CEO. But this is the question. Do you think these kids can't see that far? They they, they can't. They definitely can't. I mean, majority of us, I'll say 99.9% of us live blindly. Live blindly. We live day to day just bouncing to and fro, just looking for something to do, somewhere to go. And, I, I mean, I meet, and this not knocking anybody, but I meet even, I, I use my father, for example. He still, he knows what his purpose is, but he's he's yet to act on it. And now me and him getting ready, and he's 46 years old, and he's he's just now fixing to move into his purpose. Now, yeah, he had a lot of responsibilities. He lacked technology growing up and things like that. But the same will continue to happen with our youth, and that's why it says reclaim our youth because we got to go out and get them. And we could teach a 12-year-old at the age of 12 or at the age of uh, 11, like uh, Brian's son, help him realize, and I know Brian already doing a tremendous job at this, but look at his gifts and say, guess what? With what you're doing right there, 
that is so easy for you that you don't even have to think about doing that, you could make $100,000 a year and show them that, and they'd be like, oh, for real? I didn't know that because all the big money people I see, they're just making music or they're selling drugs. And so they, they can't see that far. I didn't realize it, what I could do until I was 22 when I wrote my first book. But when I look back, I say, my mom has been telling me since the fourth grade, boy, you need to be doing something with that writing. Boy, you need to be making money from for that writing. I'm like, mom, that's for lame people, man. That's Them dudes that write is nerds. I'm not finna do that. And that's what I kept saying. And then finally <laughs> it hit me, and I'm like, wow. And it changed my life. And I thank God that it happened at the age of 22 because I got friends that's, you know, or people I know that's 30, you know, or 28 or in their early 30s and still just they struggling with their purpose. And that's that's a part of what, what my calling has been is to be a catalyst. And that's what I do inside of my company, help people realize what their gift is despite their age and help them come up with marketing schemes and plans and tools to uh, capitalize on that. Hmm. Um, awesome. You know, one of the things that I think has always been an obstacle, and we kind of touched on it earlier, is communication. Right. You know, why do you think that most adults just can't relate to children? You know, because I found that in you know in my walkings, you know, and Greg can attest to this as well. You know, we'll have people come and ask us, "How do you how do you get them to talk to you?" Right. You know, and we'll we'll always say, you know, we just relate to them. We we get on their level. We show them that we're, you know, that we're genuine. And they'll right. say, yeah, but how do you do that? And so, you know, my question is, why do you think so many adults, you know, you would think that, you know, you're an educated adult. You should be able to figure this out. But why is it so hard for them to figure it out? I, I guess it's just uh, maybe a little bit of arrogance or maybe what they consider maturity or not wanting to, to get into what the youth getting into or, or to listen what they have to say and they feel like that, you know, they should only be doing the talking and none of the listening. And it, I, like they say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And so a lot of times people, they're not open to learning new things and understanding what social networking is and all those different things that the youth are getting into. And I really think that's where, you know, if a person, it's not for everybody. You know, every adult, every parent, aren't going to be able to, to reach their kids. And some kids, they just completely shut off to their parents, you know, because they see the life that they live or, you know, the the lack of knowledge they have about the latest and greatest thing. And so that's why I, I do believe that my, I would rather tell a parent to get a mediator like yourself and like Greg or myself or, or to look for those other resources and bring those resources into the home before they, you know, stress themselves out and just lose their mind trying to, to reach someone that that's not even interested in listening to what they have to say, but I honestly believe it's just it's just life. I mean, when you, as time changes, you know, the older people they really just can't wrap their mind around this new technology and this new way of life. Yes, and that's so true. That's so true. Tony, do you do workshops of of any type? Workshops or seminars? And and do you do you go around speaking and traveling and talking about your books? Right. It's mostly on, on invite. I, I rarely set them up myself, but, you know, through my work, I am able to do that. And it's always an awesome experience. I'm hoping to be able to, to work with an older crowd, you know, around like high school. A lot of times I end up speaking to like elementary or middle school, which it's never too early to teach them, but, you know, I'm kind of teaching stuff on a, you know, it's a, a little more complex. Than no, more mature level. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and then the reason the reason the reason I ask that I mean uh, we can tell that you're sharp and this is something that you do all the time and and doing this and what what we're all doing is something is it, not a job it's something that we all enjoy it comes so easy it's a know, passion yeah it's a passion right. for us and, and it's so easy for us to go out and speak to these kids but now and I'll say this and I can guarantee you guys will agree with me. But when you go in a situation that's bad, you take that home with you. It affects you. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it affects you. And and I think that's why a lot of older people can't connect or don't even want to try to connect with right. our youth. And I'll say this, and Tony, and you, you can finish it up. 
But it's our youth, they're looking at the adults. They're paying close attention to, guess who? The people in the church. Right. And they're being turned away and they're being frowned upon when they walk inside the church. Right. And they're not even given a chance. People are looking at them as, you know, as though they are less than uh, a human. And and right. a lot and a lot of the educated people, the doctors, the lawyers, the judges that go to these churches and go to these places, they 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 they're good at what they're doing, but they're not reaching back to the kids or the ones that really need that type of help. They're just dealing with the people that are that that are on the same status with them. That's not helping. Exactly. That's yeah, not they, helping. They, they they like the Pharisees. That thing bothers me so much, and it is. In my area, I see a lot of the black churches. It hurts me, but I see a lot of the black churches that's like that, that kind of look down on the youth. They look down on you if you got on jeans and a polo instead of a three-piece suit. And they, it's like they be, they get uh, so power-hungry to where they feel like if you're a youth or just anybody coming in, you got to go through a 60-hour, six-month class and before you could serve the Lord. And then I went to a... You know, I visit a white church, which is not about race, but I'm looking at the difference, and it's really, I think, our race need to to, to wake up some and get out of the religiosity, get out of the, the religion and the tradition and get a relationship with God. And I go to the white church, and I see these, they got on jeans and, and uh, you know, regular shirts or shorts, and some of them even got on hats, and but the mess is so planned out. And it's so on point. They got the brochures printed out. So I see that if my tithes money going to coming back to me, because they done took time to print up brochures that telling me what the message about, what the next week message about, and everything that's going on. They reach out after first they give you five dollar gift card to Starbucks. You know what I mean? And it's not. And a six day old Christian could come in and serve the Lord. And people forgetting that when Jesus walked, Jesus saying, "Make his disciples." Go through a course. He said, drop what you're doing and follow me. That's discipleship. When when you come to the Lord willing and humble and ready to serve. But so many times in our in our race, we get that holier than our syndrome. And we look down on people, and especially the young folks, you know, whether they got the dreads or the goals or, you know, the, the baggy pants. And when really that person could have a heart for the Lord more than one of the people sitting on, on the pulpit, sitting behind the pulpit. And, and, and we judge it too much, and that's why I really have been studying Jesus Christ and the way he walked, and he tells us in his word, don't turn away the children. Because if you have a heart like a child, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you have that heart like the youth that's ready and willing to serve, they'll go out and get ten times as many lives than, than many adults would because of their heart and their obedience. And we really need to tap into that, and we need to build these youth from the ground up, like they say, train him up in the way he'll go so when he oh he won't depart. Because right now, if LeBron James would have been taught right, he'll be preaching the word of God. If all these rappers that's under the age of 25 that's making millions of dollars would have been taught right, they'll be winning souls for Christ. But instead, they just live in life. They live in blindly. They don't realize that what they have isn't success. Success is fulfilling your purpose. They they living in vanity and vexation of spirit, and that's what we have to break down to our youth and show them the difference between success and just living life, being another social security number. Yes, absolutely. You know, and it's funny how you say that because I, I I'm brought to um, one person who I admire greatly, and his recent retirement, and I'm talking about Tony Dungy. Right. And, and the way that he lived his life wide open where he was so transparent about his faith and oh, just yeah. the way that he operated. And, you know, I think you're exactly right. If more people would be that open and transparent to our youth, right? you know, and here it is, Tony Dungy was doing it, and these were grown men. Exactly. That he, that he basically lived his life wide open and honest with right. and he was able to change quite a few of them right you know and i was yep. actually reading his book and his book is awesome by the way you know if yep. you haven't read it you know after you read uh tony's book then get tony's book <laughs> <laughs> yep. you know i've seen but, uh, that retirement you know it's like when he retired i was thinking wow who do we have left to really show out for 
you know, for the Lord in football. Right. You know, because there's not many others that are like him. Right. You know, but, you know, again, I think you're absolutely right. We need more people, especially those who are, quote, unquote, successful, but are definitely in the eye of these people, in the eye of, these, of our youth, to right. be better examples. Yeah. You know, I talked about um, on Sunday at church, I do the uh, I do the uh, children's church with our youth services. And right. basically I was talking to the kids, and then I was telling them about how they can't just do good. You know, I said, because anybody can do good. Right. You need to do better. Exactly. You know, and and that's something that I think is so important. You know, what are some of the motivational tips that you think parents can use to really reach their children? Push them. Just keep pushing, like you say. Tell them to do better. And that's that's what has touched me the most. A lot of times I speak with my father, and it's like nothing I do is ever, you know, hey, that was perfect. That's what you got to do. I mean, he does uh, compliment me on the things I've done, but there's always something that I could have done better. And everything, no matter what the situation is, he gives me a higher standard to reach. And I'm like, Daddy, I'm I'm just a human. I'm I'm I try to I'm I'm just 24. I'm you know I'm young still. Let me make some mistakes. Let me. And he say, No, tomorrow won't wait. And that's what you got to do. You got to always push. I mean, you praise them and make sure that you. Uh, compliment them before you criticize them, but at the same time, just keep pushing them. A lot of times, people, parents, allow their children to do what they want to do and say, oh, I'm going to let them find their own niche in the world. I'm going to let them learn and experience. And, and what what they don't realize, the world will be to kill their child because that's where the devil is. He come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so you have to demand, you imprint in that child what they're supposed to be doing. And you teach them and set an example by being excellent. By, by going above and beyond and just always pushing them uh, to, the next, to the next level. And I think a lot of parents not doing they feel like they're going to scare their child away or, or, or stunt their growth. And as hard as my father pushed me, now as an adult I look back and I say, man, I wish he would have pushed me harder. I wish he would have made me go harder. I wish he would have made me do more. And it's just it's what parents got to realize, that you got to push them, chastise the ones that you love, and push them hard because it's for their good. Yes, yeah, it is. It absolutely. Is. And you know, Tony, it, it's so amazing that you you're you're out there, and 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 I keep using you as an example, and I've I've done it but a lot on a lot of the shows. But when you are out there doing what you're doing, and this is one of the things that, and I want you to touch on this too. So many of our people, or and so many just people in general, they're so afraid of finding out their purpose. They tell you they want to know what it is, but so many of them are afraid to find out what their purpose is, and they're so right. afraid of success. Right. Why shouldn't they be afraid? Right. Well, see, the thing they're afraid of success only because they fear failure, and they they conscious of failing. When what people have to realize is is that our world is teaching us that success is in money, success is in numbers. But what we have to take and show the youth that success is in fulfilling your purpose. Success is in doing what you've been called to do. Whether you're making 20 grand a year or 200 grand a year, you're successful when you're doing, when you're fulfilling your purpose and you're using your gifts. Because every gift's not going to yield as much money as the other gifts. And so, but when they realize, oh, okay, if I'm doing what God gave me to do, then I'm successful. It doesn't matter if I make more money than, than the Joneses. And that's why people are so afraid of, of accepting their purpose because they feel failure. Mm, 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 mm. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. Brian and I, we talk about that uh, a lot, about people being afraid of success. And I want to ask you, this, do you think it's because of with the success there comes responsibility? Right. Yeah. It, it, I guess when you make it for so many people, we look at it in this world like everything that go up must come down. And so a lot of times people, they don't want to come down. But And so with me, I, real, I say I'm not even going up. I'm staying humble. I'm staying on the ground. I'm, I'm, I'm walking with the lowly at heart. I'm staying on, on ground level. I'm not trying to uh, go up in, in the world's standards. I'm going to walk like Jesus Christ. 
he, he hung with the lowly. You know, he ministered to those in need. He wasn't preaching to the choir, per se. You know, he was out trying to reach the world. And so some people, they just look at that, okay, with success, I got to be known by millions. I got to go up. The wor- my What I tell the world is that my success is not contingent upon notoriety. It's contingent upon my obedience to God. Hmm. Tony, you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It just I had I couldn't hear you. I apologize. Oh. Um, you know, I am. I was just thinking today also about how important it is for, you know, and this this is sort of alludes to your earlier book, how important it is for fathers to be present in their in their children's lives. And you talk about in your first book about how important it was for, you know a father to let her daughter know about, you know, the things that men do or the things that men try, you know, in order to try to get them in the bed and so forth. You know, just allude, just give us a little bit about, you know, give us a spill on that, you know, because I talked to my oldest daughter quite a bit about boys. Right. You know, because I know, because, like, she's she's on this kick now where she's just, uh, in love with the what is this thing now the little the new vampire movie, uh, Twilight. Uh-huh. You know, and she's like, oh, he's so gorgeous, and you know, I love this movie. And she's you know, constantly listening to the music that they play, and she's watching YouTube clips and stuff like that. You know, and and so I had to, you know, have this conversation with her. But ironically, we were in the store, and you know, we saw this girl trying to pick up another girl oh wow you know and it was like and when she saw it you know i said baby did you see that she says oh yeah i saw it and it kind of shocked me at the same time as it you know intrigued me to know that she recognized game right you know because i'm thinking like wow you know i know i teach her about boys trying to pick up girls but i didn't realize that you know she understood it works that works both ways that girls will try to pick up girls you know and boys will try to pick up boys right you know and so talk to us a little bit about that because you know when we had our conversation afterwards she says oh yeah i know about that you know and i was just wanting to make sure she learned where she learned it from was right and so of course right. i asked her well where'd you learn that from you know and she says well i learned it in the abstinence class you know and i'm like okay great <laughs> you know all right yeah, I, w- I wouldn't rely on them classes. Everything the class teaches, you take and you teach it over, and and you teach it yourself. My thing, I think, for parents, the biggest key is transparency, and for a father in general, is transparency because a lot of times as fathers, you, you we're Superman, you know, we're the hero, and uh, we're the one that our children look up to, and so we don't ever want to tarnish our 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 reputation or, or you know tarnish ourselves in their eyes. We don't want to show them that there's a kryptonite out there for daddy. And, but when we able to be transparent, everything that my father told me about, I didn't do it. I didn't try it. But everything he didn't tell me that he tried, I tried it. And if he would have told me that he tried selling drugs, I wouldn't have tried it. You know, if he would have told me the different things that I tried in my life, it was only because I didn't know the result. I didn't know what would happen if you do this because he didn't tell me. He didn't tell me, but the thing about it is he had already tried it. But if he would have told me that at a young age, mm-hmm. you know, or, or as I was growing, he maybe feared that I would see him differently. And and that's that's what parents get so worried about, and we have to realize that, that, that we got to be transparent. The Bible tells us to confess our sins one to another. You know, that, that we become strengthened, and that's why I'm so transparent because it strengthens me. Because as I go and as I grow, there's nothing the devil could hang in my face. There's nothing he could throw in my face. Every mistake I've made, God has turned it, and he's using it for the good. And he allowed me to make them mistakes so that I learn from them and then I could teach others. And I think for parents, you just got to be transparent. you got to open all the way up. If you've cheated on your wife, if you've beat on your wife, if you've ever, uh, just everything, when they come of age, you have to open up and you have to tell them. And even sometimes if, if, if it's just too much and you can't tell them, just say, hey, I had a best friend, you know, that did this. And and you use somebody else as an example. But it's so close to home, they're like, wow, man, I didn't know that. And I really think that's where so many 
fathers fail at, and it's so important. And I think God made us, you know, the head and not the tail for a reason, for that mm-hmm. very reason. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's funny. Well, not funny. It's just the way it works that tonight I was actually telling the same thing uh, to this men's group, and one of the young men stood up and talked about how, you know, he used the power of prayer to overcome all the things he had gone through, and you know, and most people were kind of shocked when he started to talk, and you could tell because you know he was a nice, upstanding gentleman, very polite, very mannerable, and he started talking about how when he used to get high and when he used to drink and party and club and have you know premarital sex and everything, and the boy, you know, he basically came out. He said, "I stopped having sex recently." He said, "Matter of fact, I haven't had it in a while." Because I decided that I was going to wait until I got married. Because a lot of these young kids in the church and in the places I go look up to me. So because they look up to me, I have to set a standard that's better than what I expect of myself. Right. (laughs) And I was like, wow, now that's a word, you know. And so I, I, I say all that to say, do you believe that most parents don't? set their kids at a higher expectation because their their expectations of themselves are so low? You know, and I'm, and I'm asked that. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say, you're going to be just like your daddy. Your daddy wasn't nothing, you ain't going to never be nothing. Yep. And kids grow up, and they go with that. Right. Definitely life and the power of the tongue, and a lot of times we don't even realize those small things just could change a person's life, could change that child's life. And like you say, I do believe parents – aren't as transparent as they should be because they're afraid of failing themselves. They're afraid of, of, of making mistakes. Even with that book I wrote about not cheating, every single day it's a woman that make me lust. It, not to where I'm just like drooling, but I look like, man, she pretty. Man, you know, and it's, it's hard every single day, but because I wrote that stuff down, it holds me accountable. Had I not wrote that down, had, had there not been thousands of people that have read that book or, or know of that book and know my message and know my story, I wouldn't have any standards to uphold. I would still be able to, to cheat and to run around on my wife. I've never, but see, I wrote that book before I got married. It came out a, a month before I got married. So ever since I've been in my marriage, I haven't cheated on my wife because I've been held accountable about what I put out in the open, about what I put down on paper and what I let people know. So sometimes I think it's the best thing we ought to do is expose our weaknesses. Because when you expose it, it's no longer a weakness. God has taken turn it into a strength. Now that stumbling block becomes a stepping stone, and the devil can't use, your, use it against you because you done took what he's trying to use to tear you down and dangle in your face, and you done just throw it at him and say, yeah, I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed, I'm, a, I'm born again, I'm a new creature. And that's what parents got to realize. We got to be transparent, expose our weaknesses, show our children that, hey, I've made these mistakes. And this is what you do to overcome it. That nothing will reach a child better than that. Yes, you know what? Do, do you, Tony? Do you think the parents think that they have to be perfect, or they, or they just think that the kids they would lose respect for them if they tell them about their past and about some of the things that they struggle with on a daily basis? Yeah, they don't want to lose that respect. They, they, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's just so natural, you know. And I, and I see that now. That that even dealing with my parents, they just didn't want to lose that respect. They didn't want to be seen differently, feel like it may uh, hinder your growth or make you, I mean, a lot of times to where if, if you teach in a class and you struggle with the very thing you're teaching, you telling the, the students or the, the people you're teaching that you struggle with that, you would think in your mind that they'll lose respect for you. You'd be like, how are you going to teach me when you can't even do it? But really, that right there really it strengthens them. They look, man, so I thought this was just hard for me, but here you as a teacher, you struggling with it, but yet you able to keep going, so that let me know I could keep going. And so it's just all in how we look at it. Yes. And, and, you know, and, and I think teachers and so many other people are the same way because when, when children and, and teenagers look at church members, when they look at politicians, when they look at people that they think are very successful and powerful people, they see perfect that the perfection in these people. That's what they see. So when they right. see one thing that that person does that's human, or one thing that that person says that's not 
in 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 good taste or something, they turn they turn them off immediately. Right. Because they're not going to give them a lot of chances because they're holding them to a high standard. Yeah. And yeah. and it's so true that what you said that we should all hold ourselves accountable for the things that we do because the kids that's what they're doing. They're holding us accountable, but they're not saying anything. But they are holding us accountable, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And and the teachers in the schools. It was a. I, I saw something today. I don't know if you saw it, Brian, here locally. That. A, a oh yeah, was I saw suspended. that. She was suspended for what was it, Brian? Dancing. Inappropriate or? contact with a student. Yeah. That's that's the official word, but they're still investigating what may have happened. But she had inappropriate contact with a male student. It was a female teacher. Wow. You know, and, you know, not to cut you off, Greg, but the thing that bothered me about that so much is that on the issue of trust, here we are, we trust our teachers, you know, and my wife's a teacher. So, you know, that thing, it it bothered me to the point where I was, you know, a little upset with that other teacher because... Now that puts a bad name on other teachers. That sheds a bad light on other teachers. But, you know, it's like, here it is, we trust you with our children, and now you destroy that trust, you know, and we expect teachers to be held to a certain standard of respect, of trust, of honesty, and now that trust and honesty is somewhat tarnished by the actions of one person. That's sad. That, that's so sad. So, Tony, do you have any speaking engagements um, coming up? Well, right now we're in the booking process and uh, kind of just sending out the proposals to all the churches that we have contacts with and looking to make contacts with other churches that have youth groups and, like, a you know, a youth group from ages 12 to 18 at least, like 12 and up, that uh, I could – get them to, to buy into the book, get the book for the youth. I could come and sign them and speak to the youth and answer whatever questions they have and just do like a session. And really we're not even charging. We're just taking love offerings and just having the churches uh, take care of like the traveling expenses and things like that. So some of them I could even drive to, but if they're out of state, of course, I'll have to fly. But So we, we're doing that right now because the book officially releases tomorrow. That was the release date, although it's already available. Mm, okay. Well, good. Brian, I think we have a caller on the line. All right. Let's see. We have a caller from the 863 area code. Caller, yeah, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Hello? Hello, caller. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Well, welcome. you have a question or a comment? Yeah, I have a question. Um, is Tony still there? Yes, he is. Yes. Okay. Um, question for Tony. Like, um, after all your childhood experiences, uh, what actually made you want to go and write and um, inspire people to, you know, better themselves and especially, like, in um, the type of relationships that uh, they pursue for their um, partner? Uh, Not really. He's saying what inspired me to write my books. Pretty much. Yeah. And also go go, go the path that you're taking right now, like, you know, for your future, for your life, and all that. Uh, just, just, just experiencing real life. To be honest with you, I, I don't feel like I chose it. I feel like it chose me. And when I look back, it just was something that God always had me close to Him. And I just remember crying out to the Lord. It's like at ten, twelve years old, and I went and experienced some things in the world, and I felt like a prodigal son. But when I saw life hit close to home. Like when it hit my mother and hit my sister and my, my family, my loved ones, you know, my cousins and things like that, and I saw the world start to get the best of them, that's what inspired me to just step up to the plate and say, man, I, I really got to go hard at this thing and be obedient to the Lord. So really I do it for the people that's closest to me, and that's why I be so sincere with my message. That's why I'm so open and so transparent transparent because I want to reach the people that I truly love. And if I could, you know, be that open and honest, then I know I could reach the strangers and, you know, it would do so much more for them because they don't even know me. Okay, yeah, that sounds good right there. That sounds real good. 
So, so Carla, is, uh, is was there something? Is there something? And I'm not trying to put you out there, but is there something that you're struggling with? Is there a change that you're trying to make in your life? Mm, well, no, not really. You know, um, Tony's a very inspiring young man. You know, um, just reading his books and also uh, reading like uh, brief summaries about what he's what he's been through and what he's going through and the direction that he's going through in life. Right. So it kind of, you know, motivate me right now because I'm, like, in a similar situation. Like, I got me a son myself. Um, I'm uh, close to the same age as Tony. And, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, I like the good role model that he's putting forth for other children and individuals along with, you know, uh, being a father and a husband. Right, right. Yeah, that's now you, you, you definitely have a, a good role model uh, there laid out for you. So, so the book that you're reading, and I know you would suggest that everybody read that book, uh, do you think that that book is pretty much teaching you to seize the moment right now that you're stepping up your game, that you're stepping up and believing God a little bit more than you did yesterday? Oh yes, definitely, definitely. It's like um, you know, it's like why wait? You know, it, you know, some people um, think, okay, let me go ahead and um, be wild now, like in the, at the young age, and then later on, I, you know, I'll look for God and um, bring Him closer to my life. But um, why can't you do it now? You know, you can go ahead. and, do all of that now and still enjoy yourself and enjoy life. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Wow. Now that's a word because I've heard so many people say that, and I've actually said that myself when I was younger. Well, I'm going to sow my wild oats and then, you know, I'll do the right thing. And, you know, for many of us, we don't get the opportunity to do the right thing because that one wrong thing we did may have been the one that, you know, had us catch a disease we can't get rid of or maybe lose a limb or even our lives. You know, right. so it, it's great that you've made that decision and that you've decided to to be that responsible parent, to be that person that influences another youth's life because, you know, that's something that we definitely need. And, Greg, you know where I'm going next. Mm-hmm. Especially now that we are on the verge of having the first African-American president you know, we don't have any more excuses. We, you know, we can't, and I was telling somebody this the other day, I said, we can't say it was the man's fault because now the man is going to be a black man. <laughs> exactly. You know, but it's just like when he went on Father's Day and called all men to action, all black fathers to action, that, was a, that wasn't just a, a cry for help. That was a sounding board. That was a that was a that was a call to action. That was sort of like a trumpet sound, where we should now step up, be responsible fathers, step up, be responsible men, be positive influences on our youth. And so it's great that we have someone other than the you know other than myself, Greg and Tony, that has made that deci- has made that decision, and we applaud you for it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, We have about a minute left in the show. I just want to say, Tony, give us your contact information really quick and also how we can get the books, you know, so that we can get that out there for our listeners. Okay. Uh, Parents and uh, youth group, youth leaders and ministers, please go to reclaimtheyouth.com, reclaimtheyouth.com. The book is only $10. $10 would change a life. I sound like them people that uh, over there in Africa, which I donate ten dollars a month, but and that's changing lives. And I feel the same way about this book. Ten dollars, it'll change a life. I, I, it's man, it's my whole heart. It's everything that got me to the point that I am right now. And I believe that for every youth that reads it, it could do the same for them. And it's only ten dollars. And you can email me at what daddy never told. Spelt all the way out what daddy never told at msn.com. Any questions or comments? If you can't afford the book, email me and I'll give it to you for free. Please, what daddy never told at msn.com. All right, and we thank you also, Tony, for joining us again on the Abundant Solutions Hour. As always, we bless you, we thank you, and we also thank our listeners for tuning in. And we ask you to join us again next week as we're going to have some. We're going to have some shows next week because I believe the next show that we have will be about my trip to D.C. <laughs> for the inauguration. <laughs> awesome. And uh, I think Greg is going to act. Greg, are, we going, are you going to do a show on Monday? Uh, yes, we are. 
Okay, good, good. I'm going to try to make sure I'm on that show on Monday. But with that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you, good evening, and God bless you all. God bless.